welcome to another edition of Truth and Rhythm, brought to you by FunkinStuff.net. This is the interview show that gets deep in the pocket with contemporary music's foremost masters of the groove. I'm your host, Scott Dr. G.X. Wolfine, musicologist and author of Everything is on the One, The First Guide of Funk. If you don't have your copy, please go over to Amazon and pick one up or at least give it a look. Think of it as the program to Truth and Rhythm. Whether you're watching or listening, as always, I thank you very much for your continued interest and support. My guests today are the Dunning sisters, Denise, Monty, and Dolores, as well as Solomon Roberts Jr., all of whom fronted one of the best-known funk R&B dance music groups of the 1980s. I'm talking about the fabulous Sky. Formed in Brooklyn, New York in 1973, when the singing Dunnings first met guitarist, drummer, and vocalist Solomon, they then went on to fill out the Sky band roster and spent several years working to perfect their unique sound and craft. Along the way, they teamed with record producer keyboardist Randy Muller, the leader of Brass Construction and also an arranger from BT Express. They then signed to Salso Records in 1979 and released their self-titled debut album. After releasing several albums packed full of some of the most infectious groove-heavy tracks from the period and finding moderate R&B success, Sky crossed over to the mainstream in a big way with the release of its fourth album, Skyline, in 1981. That record featured the super tight, funky smash, Call Me, which topped the R&B singles chart and led the album to the pinnacle of that chart as well. The rest of the 1980s, though, saw Sky struggling to repeat that success. And when its label, Salsa, went out of business midway through the decade, it left the group bouncing around the labels and recording less frequently. However, after signing to Atlantic Records, they launched a major comeback in 1989 with the release of their Start of a Romance album spun off two number one R&B singles, the title track and the Quiet Storm classic, Real Love. Very unusual for a band to be successful at the tail end of the 70s, have great 80s success, fall by the wayside, and then come back with number ones, two number ones, incredible, and also have hits basically through three decades. Unfortunately, Sky's next album, 1992 though, Nearer to You, failed to catch fire and proved to be its last. Although the group never released another studio album, since 1998, the Dunning sisters have continued to perform to backing tracks as the Ladies of Sky. They continue to do that today, and I urge you to go check them out, take a look at their calendar for 2018. With its Brooklyn funk sound that augmented brass construction's heavy rhythms, driving horns, and inventive arrangements, Sky added to that mix with a feminine flair and pop R&B sensibility to leave behind a 13-year treasure trove of recordings for all of us to enjoy. Originally, I was pleased as punch to land the Ladies of Sky for this episode of Truth and Rhythm, but what was most unexpected and additionally fantastic was the news that I was going to get the opportunity to also interview the man who was so instrumental in the whole Sky thing in what was to be a rare reunion for this show. So here, from Mr. Roberts' neighborhood, if you will, it's actually from his kitchen, is my special, wonderful time getting to know the full Sky story with Denise, Bonnie, Dolores, and Solomon. To reference one of their great hits, here's to you. I am so very pleased to welcome to Truth and Rhythm, original members from Sky. That, of course, is with Two Wise, one of the most successful funk R&B dance music bands of the 1980s, and which were produced by Brass Construction's Randy Muller. So glad to have you reunited for this very special Truth and Rhythm. How's everybody? 
Great. <laughs> Doing just fine. <laughs> just what it's a beautiful thing. Reunited, it feels so good, right? Yep. Yes. I'd like to just edit the uh, introduction. We were, we were produced by Randy Muller and myself for uh, our production company, Alligator Venom. Perfect. Yeah, great. We'll get all into that. Thank you. So uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce each of yourselves, uh, Solomon. Ladies first. Ladies okay. first, okay. He's, he's ever the gentleman. My okay. name is Denise Dunning Wilkinson. My name is Benita Dunning Williams. Dolores Dunning Milligan. And Solomon Roberts Jr. Fantastic. So glad to have you. So um, you're coming, I understand, uh, today from Delaware, correct? That yep. is correct. Yes, we descended upon Solomon's <laughs> house. The three of us are originally from Brooklyn, New York, now all living in New Jersey. The four of us. The four, four of, of us. us. I forgot about it. That's, That's right, right, Sol. I'm so sorry. Yeah, we were all originally from Brooklyn, but uh, we defected uh, about 10 years ago, and Solomon defected just two years ago, right? Okay. <laughs> in a manner of speaking. I officially got here last month. Yeah. Right, right. So, yeah, but, uh, yeah. Great. Well, my, my, I have Brooklyn roots. My mom's from Brooklyn. My father's from Coney Island, so. Oh, wow. Child. Yeah. Close enough. <laughs> so, uh, ready to mix it up? Get us some questions about the wonderful sky? Sure. Ready uh, wherever you are. Fire away. Fantastic. So, want to just uh, go back before Sky, uh, uh, for starters, and just a little bit about uh, how you grew up as, as sisters. And, you know, uh, I'm assuming it was a very musical household. And, uh, you know, how you first got into music and, and how you, you pursued music uh, before you got, you know, professional with it. So ladies uh, first again. Well, we started singing. Um, we sang at people's weddings, uh, but in high school, we all joined the chorus in various uh, stages of our high school careers. Uh, we always sang in mixed chorus or girls chorus, and it was always something that we wanted to do. Our aunt, uh, matter of fact, used to sing opera, and um, she also brought us this big reel-to-reel -reel tape record that we used to practice on in front of the mirror and just acted like we were the supreme. So it was always something that we wanted to do. My mother and father both had extremely beautiful voices. I would hear my mom singing while she was ironing. And my dad always had all of these 78 records that we used to play at my grandmother's house. So music for us was always in our blood. And it was, uh, even in high school, it, uh, we, the, actually the, at one time there were four of us, uh, a good friend of ours named Deborah Hunter, and uh, we all went to the same high school. And as my sister said, we used to perform in a lot of talent shows and uh, do you know weddings and, and so and so forth and so it music just was always in our blood and we had a great choral teacher named Miss Lynn. Yeah, Mrs. Lynn Antoinette Lind was her name. She was a very exacting uh, vocal coach as well as you know choral uh, head of the chorus in high school. We went to Franklin Delano Roosevelt High School in Brooklyn, and at that time they had a very uh, uh, great musical uh, enrichment program there. Um, we had a chorus, we had a band. Actually, we had several choruses. Yes, you could exactly. join a mixed chorus, you could join a small music theory. Music theory, everything was there available to us. Um, and so my sisters and I took full advantage of that, performed in every talent show in high school, right? Every sing. And, um, and every sing, yeah, they had these things called sing. I don't know 
anyone's yeah, familiar it, with that. Yeah, no, but it's like basically a, a play for the grades and um, always wanted to be and emulate the groups that were popular during the, the 70s, during that time. Mm-hmm. You all saw, I believe you did music at school too as well. Well, that's where <laughs> the first uh, part of Sky sort of got put together. Um, I, I grew up listening to the radio, listening to music, and enjoying everything, and then started to try to sing along with it. Then I started to try to beat along with it. And <laughs> then I got, you know, got the pots and pans, and, and then my, my father, uh, coming from a Baptist church, decided, you know, well, he's pretty, pretty musical. Why don't we give him some music lessons uh, to play the piano, and then he could play in the church. But uh, I tend to sort of shy away from the piano I still wanted to start beating on the pots and pans. So eventually I got a set of drums and he gave up on the piano lessons, but I, I, I welcomed the, the, the background that I got when I, when I was taking it. And then um, uh, from there into high school, I, I just started looking around for, you know, other musicians who like to play. And I found uh, the guitarist, uh, Butchie Sierra, uh, in, in high school, and I found uh, the bass player also, uh, Gerald Laybone, who was in high school, uh, Thomas Jefferson High School. Right. <laughs> and, and, and we had sort of the, the, the beginning parts of Sky. And it wasn't until later on that we decided, you know, uh, we needed to round ourselves off a little bit more. Uh, and uh, I sort of met Randy Muller in, in the same school, and he had his group, and we became friends because we both sort of had group and both were trying to, to, to get our music out there. And he was fortunate enough to, to uh, launch his group first, and after he did that, uh, uh, the ladies were actually singing along with them prior to that. <laughs> yeah. So I'm yeah. skipping along with it and, yeah, and, missing, and, and, and missing out part of the, the, the whole story. So I'm going to stop at this point and okay. then you, you can start filling in on your, on your, well, on your part and your connection no. with Randy. So well, I, I had a question first. Like, uh, it's just real quick, Solomon. So at that point, when you formed that band and you guys were just getting the beginnings of the band, what types of groups were you covering and what, what was your influence? Uh, they had talked about the Supremes. What were you playing? We were playing Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> we were playing, we were playing more, uh, at, at the beginning, we were called Fuel and we were playing more sort of uh, rock and R&B sort of flavor stuff of that nature. And uh, it wasn't until we, until we actually met uh, the, the, the ladies uh, that we decided to take and mix the, the rock and the R&B together to have something a little bit different with a, uh, a little more sort of classier sound. <laughs> yeah, commercial sound, right? right? Classy. classy. <laughs> ah, okay. So we brought class to the group. And it's nice to know this. See, this is something I hadn't realized yeah. that we finally brought some class to these guys. What I think oh. I find the most interesting is that we were having this duality of lives um, in Brooklyn, but they were, you know, as he said, he was in Thomas Jefferson High School. We were in FDR High School, and we didn't really meet one another until what, 1970, 72, 73. Yeah, Miss Black America State Finals. Yeah, is when we met uh, Solomon yeah. and 
we came in, uh, we had, uh, there was a gentleman who over, uh, was overseeing that whole pageant and um, he brought us in as singers. And uh, Randy, as Saul said, had already had formed breast construction. And um, he was saying, oh yeah, these girls say they could sing, these girls say they could sing. And we auditioned to sing in the pageant and Randy was wowed and just like Saul said, then we actually started singing with them for a little while. It was like a, 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 a second act to, to wherever they would go play, the band would play and then the ladies would come out and do part. And, at, and then uh, finally they got a chance to, to cut a record. And at that time they, they were <laughs> around, no, first of all, there was about 13 of the of the guys, guys in brass construction. We're talking about brass construction. And 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 even that was too many for the group to be signed, which eventually got cut down to eight. Right. And 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 then the four ladies was for them. I, I basically told Randy, I said, I'll take these four <laughs> <in> your hands. <laughs> I'll take these. And and then you know, we, we talked and said, yo, well, you like to sing with us, and then we can form a, a you know a new group, no longer fuel, but something better something different and then uh, we agreed to start working together and then uh, we started putting together um some material and and, and uh, at that time randy's album had released it went platinum so he had some sort of track record and credibility and he wanted to now you know uh, go off and do something on his own as as a producer so we decided to form a, a produ production company which would then produce sky and that production company was called Alligator Bithim. And at, after uh, forming that and start cutting uh, tracks, we then uh, start shopping the tracks and he found a, a home at South Soul Records. They liked what they heard, they bought the album and that was our first album. <laughs> so when you guys were coming up, did you kind of fall into your harmonies naturally or how did you decide who would mostly sing lead and how you would do that? Well, you know, because we are sisters, in case people weren't quite aware of that, um, I think we always have genetically, we know which note we're supposed to hit. Uh, in addition to the fact that being trained again in chorus, um, and, and again, this was like high-end, you know, vocal training, um, we knew our voice parts. So it was not hard to figure out who was going to sing the top note, who was going to sing the middle note, who was going to sing the bottom note, because our, our vocal ranges were identified for us when right. we were in chorus. Exactly. So we knew exactly what, you know, which notes we were supposed to sing. sing what section? Yeah. 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 And we actually, we were more influenced by the male groups than we were the female groups. Uh, yeah. Temptations. Temptations. <laughs> Ray Goodman and Ray Brown, Goodman then and known Brown. as the Moments. The Manhattans. The I mean, miracles. we were more, the miracles, we were really influenced by the male groups. And not only could we sing, but we could dance as well. So that's where our choreography came in because the female groups, they could sing and, you know, they did their little hand steps, but we wanted to really entertain. And so that's why we really became influenced by the male groups. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, you know, each of you met um, Randy Muller in different ways. You know, what was it like 
Well, I want to know what was your impression of both Randy and Sullivan when you yeah. first met them. <laughs> and, and, well, just, and remember, you're at well, house. Right, right, right. We are at this house, and our stuff is upstairs. We've got to go a long way to get our stuff if we have to leave quickly. <laughs> so, you know, it was funny. Again, uh, as Bonnie stated, we met Randy because we were babysitters for the gentleman who was directing the pageant. He was the program director for the new, uh, Miss Black America New York State pageant. And so we sang in his house all the time. And he said, he said I have this guy who's in charge of the music um, at the pageant. And so you guys are gonna basically sing for him. So we sang um, uh, oh, The Temptations, Old Man River, Acapella. At the time there were four of us. And he, uh, he has often said to us, I, you know, when this guy told me that we got these girls that can sing, he was like, yeah, sure. Everybody says they got girls that can sing, um, except that we could sing. <laughs> so he was kind of blown away by this. And he was like, wait a minute. OK, so I got to work with these girls, not only for this event, but for this event and beyond. So when we first met Randy, oh, my goodness, we were all so young. <laughs> we were so young, uh -huh. uh, but we all, but our initial impression of Randy was that he was very accomplished musically yes. because he was directing that band. Um, he arranging. was arranging the music. I don't think we understood the full scope of his talent when, you know, at the initial meeting, it wasn't until we actually started to work with him over time that we really got to see just how, you know, multi-talented Randy was. Solomon in the beginning was just the guy kind of hanging around on the side taking pictures, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I was a photographer. I, I, I also had a station wagon that helped lug the equipment around. Yeah, right. And but they didn't know that I, I really that I had a band or I was into right. music exactly. until you know until a little bit later on. Right. And it took a minute before yeah. we knew that you actually played an instrument because all he he was always the guy taking pictures. We didn't pay him. Uh, much mine. You know? And not only did he play the drums, but he played. He started, he learned guitar. Right, the guitar. And he was like, he's multi talented. But like Denise said, he was always kind of, you know, he was the periphery guy. You know, he's standing around yeah. on the side. And then, then uh, all of a sudden, Randy, back. you know, after we started doing all the brass construction shows and they got so big and they got that deal, yeah. I think that's when we really realized right. that you right. did have a band. You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't Oops. think we were too sure. Yeah, to drive Right. <laughs> yeah, he's not the driver. The photographer. Yeah. Sounds like Solomon did whatever needed to get done at the time. Yeah, it's true. It's I had true. I, I had the, the 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 station wagon. I had the basement that my parents right. my parents didn't mind to have a lot of noise. So <laughs> if they needed to rehearse, and I had even recording equipment. Yep. So it was the hub of where everything got done. All of Brass Construction's albums before they were done were, were, were sort of demoed in my basement, and we call it the hole in the ground studio. That's gigs, right. Gigs. And, uh, and, and so it was uh, just a progression of meeting them and then starting to work with them in the, in, in the basement and then coming up with Sky. Tell me what it was like when you first heard the brass construction thing and how powerful that was. What was your first impressions of that whole, you know, because you guys, the whole uh, thing around you and, and Randy was kind of a, 
you know, there was a common thread in the sound and the presentation of all of the groups that were part of that, um, you know, the production group or whatever. There, there was definitely a, a thread in the sound. So what was your impressions when you first heard that brass construction sound? It was very powerful. I think for us, well, we had worked with Deborah's brother's band. band. So, we, so we'd only worked really with one band. live band, band prior to that. Um, and they were pretty okay, you yeah. know, they, they carried everything. But I think with brass, we knew we were, um, we had stepped it up a notch. Yeah, especially the, because they were because really, the yeah, because of because right, of the because horns of in the particular. Horns. That's a great point. Yeah, because of the horns. Because, because Deborah's brother's band was lead guitar, bass guitar, drums, and keyboard. And then once you added those horns, the brass construction horns, it became a whole other thing completely. Yeah. So it rounded out the whole sound that we were really feeling in the back of our heads, things that we were missing, just singing with two guitars, you know, a keyboard right, and a drum. It just made everything so much more real. Yeah. And then we're working with a band, brass, we're working with a band who's doing original music. Yeah. Not just doing cover songs because the previous band, you know, we're doing Temptations, so we're doing cover songs. We're working with a band that's doing their own music. And so it was really, you know, mind we were mind-blowing to be knowing that, oh, this is how it happens. This is how a real band. This is how a real band, band plays. You know, the same thing we're working with Saul and them. I mean, that again right. was a step up. Yeah. These guys were better than the guys that we had previously worked So here yeah. we're working with two bands that are really great musicians. Mm -hmm. What was it like when you went in and started cutting demos? You know, How long did that take to sort of put that first record together? And uh, tell me a little bit about what went into that, the blood, sweat, all that. <laughs> blood, sweat, torture. And <laughs> tears. <laughs> And tears. That was a unique experience for us. It's a big difference going up and singing live, you know, than going into the studio and trying to create a masterpiece. And we, in the beginning, were very green uh, as far as what it took to go into the studio. As a matter of fact, we were so horrible that we would be fooling around. And giggling. we had the giggling and being silly and you know so excited. It was it was basically nervous excitement, um, such that ear had to tell us uh, John Brad That's right had to tell us to settle down, ladies, and let's you know let's Calm get down. serious. Calm down and let's get serious. And he, and he was really very instrumental in in putting us in a place that we, we started to take things seriously because what we did, we did a whole bunch of background vocals for a whole bunch of other people. Right. Exactly. And, and Mark Radice and what was that? Other Charles Earl. Charles Erlen. So this is, this is how we sort of cut our eye teeth in the studio and, and working with John Bradley and, and him having this very peaceful, calm, but professional attitude. Yeah. He sort of gave us like, okay, ladies, this is, this is real and y'all can be excited, but we're going to work. He, he was the good cop to our bad cop. Now, <laughs> see, I was going to get around to that. Yeah. But you know what? Because, oh, I'm so bad. I I'm have so to say that Saul wasn't that bad, and that's because Saul had sisters. <laughs> so he knew that. He knew the sisters. He knew, they, that, right, he knew right. the crime thing. The yes, yes. You had to treat us a little more gently, for heaven's sake. Randy, Randy was a task master. master. Mm -hmm. He he had uh, uh, this way of saying, "Do it again, do it again, 
do it again. Because remember, when we were first recording, they didn't have all this technology, right, Solomon? No auto-tune. No, and very little of sampling and then and then and then flying it in. It you 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 sung every thing that was on everything that was on the every vocal that was on the uh, the record right. was sung. That's right. It wasn't copied and pasted. That's right. And so and so trying to just uh, uh, work work with that sometimes became very difficult for us because it sounded fine to us. Sounded good to me, but but Randy wanted it, and Solomon, yes. they wanted that to come across a certain way. And I think that's when we learned how to emote. You know what I'm saying? Because when you're recording, you know, you have to make it either sound happy or sound sad or sound tender. If somebody's watching you perform live, they so can see your emotions. Live. But I think we quickly learned that in that studio, you have to be able to uh, uh, let those emotions come through without people seeing you. So um, there were many, many nights of tears and late nights and just when you thought it was done, it wasn't done. Um, right. But I think that has made us better at what we do now. I think that's all part of the foundation of you know, being vocalists. And I also wanna say that having had the training we did in high school as vocalists, yes. it made a big difference. But now us. that also was a, kind of a downfall because oh, yeah. we, had, we were so used to singing and pronouncing and enunciating every word that they had to make us learn how to cut the words off. Well, I said, well, that's not well because we were singing classic, you know, right. more classical pieces. Right. When um, you mentioned that there was a thread between uh, groups in that area, uh, uh, with Randy, myself, that's what they're referring to. Because they're referring to, we were trying to sort of shape and sculpt a particular sound right. and style. And, and again, it wasn't the correct necessarily pronunciation of words. And, <laughs> and it wasn't the, you know, a, a certain, a, a correct sort of straightforward feel. It was, it, it was a funk feel. And it was a funk feel that was like really uh, kind of native to, to, to our area, That's our right. area of Brooklyn, <laughs> which was East New York. And and Randy, you know, he grew up in there, I grew up there. We had some of the same influences. Uh, and and we both, you know, with his group and with mine, we both were, were, were looking for that sort of funk style that sort of put us, cut us a little apart from what everybody else was doing. I mean, you might have had some function down south, they were doing something else, but they didn't sound like brass. They were they were a horn group. It was a whole different right. whole different feel. Yeah. So that's that studio uh, business was uh, was it was an experience. A big experience. Yeah. Well, and I was going to ask you how you would describe that sound because to me, I mean, it, it had that very kind of distinctive double drum beat thing, and it was very prominent with the keyboards, and of course you had the horns, um, and some of the uh, string arrangements. Uh, how would you, is there any kind of way you would summarize what that sound was? <laughs> the, the sound of, of a... You have to define yeah. that, Solomon, we, because... We, we named our production company Alligator Bitum because we, 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 we were listening to sort of a, a twangy type of guitar, funky feel, 
uh, it sound, and we said to ourselves, it sounded like the alligator bit him when he played it. And so we, our style, again, was Brooklyn funk, and, and, and we mixed dance with it, we mixed rock with it, and, and a, a, us versus uh, uh, brass, we, we had a, a, a more vocal right. uh, mix to it, and brass was just straight, straight out funk chant. Right. And, and we were more funk, my chant and sing. Because right. <laughs> you know? yeah. as so, you guys always yeah. said, our vocals, you know, the sort of set a signature sound that, that nobody else, I don't care who you mentioned out there, had the same Thanks. sound that Sky had. You know what I mean? Because of the, the those guys and their incredible, you know, uh, uh, instrumental uh, uh, prowess. And then here we come with the... You know, and the they, nice sweet voices when, when required. Make it sweet, but not too sweet. Too sweet. sweet. Right. And then on right. top of it, Saul sang as well. Exactly. So exactly. it was a mixture of not only our vocals, yeah. but Solomon's vocals as well. Yes. Yeah. You know, I, when I think back in that era, which I love, uh, there were a lot of R&B bands that had females up front and primarily, you know, male bands. Um, but not so much the configuration that you guys had. I, I'm thinking maybe the closest thing might have been like the emotions when they worked with Earth, Wind, and Fire. I don't know. Do you see any similarity there? Well, that's a that's a great kind of comparison. <laughs> compared to Earth, Wind, and Fire, certainly, yeah, cool. uh, you know, one of the more successful groups yeah, on the, the fun side. Yeah, we, we were, we were side, as, right. as as a as a big band with, right. with the horn arrangements and everything. We we still sort of stayed close to. Basically, a, a, a regular four piece kind of, mm -hmm. in some cases, five, 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 five. counting the two guitars. Right. Uh, and, and then it would be uh, sort of salt and peppered uh, arrangements of, of uh, you know, strings and, and on some songs, uh, strings and horns. Yeah. But we were, you know, basically still just a, uh, originally a funk band with classy vocals. Yeah. Well, what I thought you did so great was integrating, you know, some dance and disco kind of elements, yeah. but not going overboard with that and still keeping, you know, pretty funky. And it was just a nice balance that you you hit. Yeah, at that time, you know, most disco groups hadn't had no face, had no real perform right. performance. And when we, we, we had to have stuff that we can get in front of an audience and perform and, and sort of move them and not just play, you know, uh so uh we were we, we kind of even had that sort of as a, as a start point and then and then sort of yeah evolved into uh, a sort of a, a more evolved into what we are oh, you know right because it's a union i mean i don't yeah. know how you could define us apart from everybody else it was just the sky sound you, you know i can't can't put put my finger on it because we because we combined well, funk, right. we yeah. combined disco, we had a little jazz and some right. of our That's stuff. Right. You know what I mean? Slow so, tune. Yeah. We had we had balance. Yeah, we had it all. You know what I'm saying? We had it all. Definitely. Yeah, the alligator thing makes me think of like Louisiana, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Tony Joe White was was one of the artists that 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 we we were listening to. That, uh, he might have been from Louisiana. Louisiana. <laughs> there you go. Yep. Um, so that first record, I mean, it came out just was thumping. You know, I mean, I'm looking uh, back at it. I mean, just the first three tracks, this groove is bad. First time around, uh, um, 
yeah. first time around, let's turn it out. I mean, what a way to launch it off. So, I mean, you guys must have been thrilled with the way it came out. We were yeah. shocked we and surprised. Shocked. <laughs> <laughs> we were thrilled that it was finished. Yeah. Thrilled that it, that, that it was sold. Right. And thrilled that people enjoyed it when we got out in front of them. Exactly. And, we, and, and we were saying, let's turn it out. They were turning it out. Yeah, yes. for sure. And how many times did Larry the Van do first time around? We had like three or four different mixes of first time around. And every time we did a show, we was like, okay, which one are we doing? Because we, I mean, every every city, we had to do a different, it was a different mix that we had to do. So it was like, uh, we're cutting these steps off, okay, we're putting these steps in. It was it was just an amazing ride for that song. It was a, it was a big excitement because Saul kind of led us into it. We were at rehearsal to tell us that we, the, the, you know, the record had been sold. And, and then just the first time actually to hear it on vinyl, was really a, a thrill for all of us because back then you really worked on an album, what, almost a year. Am I right? No, we didn't work that long. Well, it, it seemed well, like it. It's, it's, it's the first album always seems long because it right. is a long process yes. because you, you do a couple of songs that they don't quite make it, then you do some more well, songs. I was going to yeah, yeah. what so, I was going to so say. First, I remember recording an awful lot, lot of songs. <laughs> the first song could have been two years in the making, but, uh, but, but, the, the, but the, le the second ones and the ones that came after that, uh, yeah, we didn't have the luxury of, of taking a whole year. year. Right, right. <laughs> and, and who came up with the name and the spelling? What we can, can, you, can you can you remember? I, I, can't, I remember that we're sitting down trying to dis discuss it, and I don't know who said it, but whenever whoever said it, right. I, I said, yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, again, you know, we often said we were influenced by the time, you know, the, the sci-fi right, right. movies at the time, and the television show Star Trek was very popular and emerging sort of, you know, and so we had this space kind of concept uh, idea about the sky and the clouds and being and ever our music changing being all and our music being yeah that's, that's where the yeah. Denzelian yeah, yeah, yeah. came from. The Denzelian came after we picked the name. Yeah, after we picked the name. Yeah, but exactly. yeah, we kind of came yeah. up with it collectively. Yeah. I think we we had the dictionary open one yes. time and we're just going yeah, like this. How no, about that? No, <laughs> that won't work. You know. But yeah, we settled on Sky yeah, because yeah, I, I I still don't know who said it. I don't remember. So so but I know you were the one that said, said, that said put the extra Y. He's the one that said put the extra Y. So you came out looking like you came from another planet. I mean, you had the outfits and everything. How'd you guys feel about that? Who picked them out? Was that a lot of fun? We had a designer, didn't we? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Our yeah. um, first ones didn't. Um, Randy's. Randy's what? Randy's Randy Muller's wife, right. Denise, right. designed the first four or five sets of outfits, correct? And Sky, Skyway, right. Skyport. Yeah, she designed those. She was actually an emerging uh, right. seamstress designer. Right. Designer. And um, well, our she project was, also, was probably. No, Masato didn't have the first blue. The first white and blue. So the blues with the hoods. That was. I want to say it was Denise. I think it was Denise. Yeah. She did the first. She didn't do the first. 
She did? I think that, no, no. Masada did the first. Masada did, Masada did, did the first. Nah, okay. it's coming back. Yeah, because he's Brain cells are churning. Yeah, Masada did the first. Yeah, Masada did the first. And then he did all the ones after that. Yeah, she did the white jumpsuit with the piping. And the Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because we wanted dramatic. We, yeah, once we had settled on Sky, we were going full tilt. And we, we had a whole concept of where we came from. Yeah. As you can see, the first album, we were on spaceships, so we obviously weren't, you know. Of this world. <laughs> we weren't of this world. And, 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 and our show, we uh, during the show, we also had lightsabers and That's right. yes. and storm helmets. And, 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 and we did the whole Star Wars, yeah. Attack, and yeah. the, we, we were having a good time. Yes, we did. Yeah. The Force was with you. It was 1979. <laughs> That's great, Scott. <laughs> So uh, did you actually tour on the first record or did you have a couple first? You did. So who'd you go out with on the first uh, tour? Goodness gracious. You go oh, way back. Right. Oh, on the first, Evelyn we Champagne. went in Evelyn Champagne. We went out with Sister Sledge. Oh, yeah. We went out with um, Chaka Khan. We went out with... Uh, uh, the Jones Brothers, we went out with Rick James, we went out with wow. a lot of Benny King. Remember, and I don't want to think about the first show. Yeah, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think of the first ones. Because yep. it, 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 it wasn't like a consistent, consistent tour. Right, yeah. In the, the very first, uh, when we did that first album, we were just, we were here and then we were back, we were, we were there, we were back. Because we, we didn't did, have a consistent. Right, we did a lot of medium uh, sized rooms where, where, where we were the only, only act. And but we did, I when, when, we did when, 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 when we started doing, you know, large arenas, it was probably around the end of, of, of the first album and the beginning of the second album. Right, yeah. right. So the second album in 1980 was Skyway, and um, you guys still had the pretty cool outfits, but you were toning it down, starting starting to tone it down a little bit. Hey, no. well, <laughs> well, we're we're now album. on the planet here. Right. <laughs> yeah, so the 80s, you decided you'd come to Earth. <laughs> and uh, another great record, uh, started off with High and Sky Zoo, and again, it just starts so powerfully. Um, what was different in making the second one from the first one? Mm. Writing. The difference was it was a shorter period of time. <laughs> uh, they were a little more uh, knowledgeable about how things are supposed to happen in the studio, and less crying. Less <laughs> crying is right <laughs> because they because they saw the what the end results. Okay, we're going back in here. Right. We're going to make some more, and then we're going to go back out right. on the road and have some more fun. Right. So, so you know that it, it was nice cry. Yeah, it was it was easier. Yes, yeah, it was. And easier. and and high, I think, was just this really great, like vocal, great vocally. It was right. a great fun song for us to, to sing jump. and do. You know what I mean? It's still to this yeah. day uh, our one of our favorites. Sky Zoo. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that you mentioned that because <laughs> we were talking about it last night. Um, it was the it was the set part two of Let's Turn It yeah. Out, where we initially used the kazoos, found it to be just a really novel idea, right? And then yeah, Solomon, yeah, we, we when when we were doing Let's Turn It Out, you know, we didn't have horn players. Brass had the horn players, right. but I said, okay, we don't have the horn players. We can have Sky Zoo players. Right, <laughs> He's a great Sky because when you <laughs> when you can sing. 
you can actually play a note. <laughs> so after we put those Sky Zoos on Let's Turn It Out, I said, this is this is the way what a gimmick. This guy who needs its own song. Right. It needs it, and it became our one of our signature, you know, uh, mm -hmm. instruments here. So we 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 coined them Sky Zoos and we made a song for it. And then they were able to really expand it, take more solos. And, yep. right. <laughs> and, and I also think the fun part about it was because we got them for the audiences as well. So this was a way for us to bring the audience right into the show because anybody can play a kazoo is once they figure out that a sky zoo, sorry, Solomon, <laughs> that you you hum, don't blow. This is, this is the, the most important thing that anybody needs to know about playing a sky zoo. So the first thing people want to do is when they pick it up, they want to blow into it. And that is going to get you no sound. So we get the, the looks like, what's wrong with this thing? It must be broken. And then we say, hum, don't flow. And guess what? <laughs> sound. <laughs> so it was a lot of, it was just yeah, fun. Was That's what I like to say. And people to this day still want to hear that song. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to, I'm glad we got into that. I was definitely going to ask you about the kazoo. So did, did you end up uh, actually having ones that had sky on them or did you merchandise them at all? Yes. <laughs> yes, we I sure yes, yes. did. Yes, we, we sure did. We um, we had a, the official Sky Zoo. I have to say this about it's very interesting about the company that produces those um, things. This is just a side note because we still maintain an amazing relationship with the very same company from which we used to get the kazoos from back in in the early years. So they're called Kazubi Kazoo, and they're based in, I think, still in South Carolina. Um, and, you know, they provided the kazoos then, but we had metal kazoos then, right? Yes. Right now, I mean, oh, yeah. now they are mostly plastic, but we still do actually have, we still actually have kazoos that say Sky Zoo. Mm -hmm. and we'll, we'll send you one. Oh, oh, yes, absolutely, absolutely, we'll say. I want one. I got to have it. So um, what, it must have sounded tremendous, though, when the audience was doing that. Uh, do you have any, any, anyone that videotaped that? Or? Well, you know what? Interestingly, my sisters and I, in 2007, we tried to uh, uh, create a Guinness Book of World Records for the largest kazoo band. Right. And we did that um, at, at, at the Harlem State Office Building uh, for the Summer Stage mm -hmm. Concert Series. Mm -hmm. uh, we got 2,900 people. We passed out kazoos to all these people. You have to understand that doing a Guinness World Record is a very exacting task because you have to make sure that you uh, document every kazoo that's distributed we also were able to, you have to have an expert kazooist. There has to be somebody that declares everyone an expert. So we had um, a, a woman by the name of Barbara who, uh, Stewart, Barbara Stewart came and everyone in the audience had to play the kazoo. Yeah, so we gave them the hum, don't blow direction, right? right. Um, and then we started the song Sky Zoo. 
And I wow. there is footage yes. of that on YouTube, as a matter of fact. And I think it's Ladies of Sky. Uh, Harlem Summer Stage. Harlem Summer Stage. Something, yeah, Harlem Summer Stage. Uh, and we were very pleased that it was covered by CBS News. Yes. Uh, we actually got a little right. piece uh, of, of that show talked about on CBS's Sunday morning yes. show because Barbara was featured on that show and she included mm -hmm. our uh, Guinness World Record attempt uh, in terms of you know right. playing the kazoo. So well, it's great. Now I wanted to do it again. Uh, but since the world records changed so quickly, right. uh, so as a matter of fact, we didn't win the, the record then because simultaneously to us trying that attempt, somebody else was doing it in another, right. uh, you know, in another town. But and now I think it's up to something like six or seven thousand, and it, the the criteria becomes so much more exacting when you get to those kinds of numbers, yeah. because yes. then you literally have to know exactly yeah. how many people you have, separate them into fifties and hundreds, and uh, it's right. a whole big thing. So maybe we'll try it, we'll attempt it at some point. Right. <laughs>